I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're the, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds. Nerds. Bum, bum, bum. Today's episode of the Irreverent Nerd Podcast has been brought to you by Duff Beer. Don't just sit on your Duff. Get in the bar and drink some beer. That means you too, Homer. Nerds. 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 We are sitting here, not in downtown Winston. This time we are on my front porch, recording here for perhaps, perhaps the final time. Because my family and I are going to be moving. Finally. <laughs> we, we've been in an apartment for quite some time. And we are moving into a, a much bigger house that has a backyard and a, and a fence nice. around the backyard and space for my wife's art studio. Uh, there should be an alcove where we can record our future podcast. I'm, I'm planning on buying, like, eventually buying these two little, you know, like the little uh, sofa armchairs, you know, little sofa oh, chairs. Get very like, nice. Two of those, set them up in a corner, and... uh can have our mics you know and be all fancy and stuff like the like the real podcasters of the world you know what i mean and uh record videos and everything yeah that's that's the plan but anyway we're, we're excited we're excited about the house we should be in by the end of the month fingers crossed so yeah this will be one of the one of the final times unless we squeeze another one in before then that we record at my domicile uh we're out here with the fancy mics sitting nice and cozy on a <laughs> on a deck bench and uh our knees are almost touching but not quite you know we've been closer bromance <laughs> nothing really gay about it bromance speaking no. of bromances i've been thinking about putting our redneck versus otaku video back on youtube ah yes you should so uh so y'all can check that out once it's actually up there but that's not why we're here today no, 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 but we, we are working on a, a side project that Will has in oh. de de development. Are we now? I yeah. wasn't I wasn't sure it, if you were it's it, just it's just we were gonna do that. It's in the conceptual phase yeah. at this point. He he's got ideas. Have you started storyboarding? No, I haven't storyboarded. I'm still working on the script. Yeah, he he had this this uh fun idea we're not we're not going to spoil it at this point because we're not entirely sure it's going to happen yet but we're talking about it yeah i work like every day so <laughs> and, and recording in the dark is not very yeah conducive so no, video, unless, unless video recording unless it's meant to be a noir film or something or you have like i don't night, have a, a lighting vision camera um <laughs> but no like uh we haven't recorded a, like a a video project you know together in years and years I think since Redneck versus Otaku, I think, was the last one we did. Yeah. I want to say. And we had another one. It was like a noir thing that we did. What was that called? I don't remember. What it was. I'm trying to remember. Um, it was called The Black Bullet. Ah, uh, yes. It was uh, supposed yes. to be a detective superhero thing um, fil filmed in black and white or something. Yeah, yeah. I think it was supposed to be in black and white. I did produce some footage, but... That footage has been, been lost to time, and the project never. I think didn't we per use permeated? Didn't we, we? We got a little bit done, but didn't we use my old Panasonic Lumix digital camera? I think we probably did, and that's the the footage that I've. It has been lost to time. Hmm. I might have one, have it somewhere on a hard drive, <laughs> possibly. I don't know. I'll have to go look for that. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. I hadn't thought of that in years. Like, I think I was the detective. I think were you. Were we both detectives? I'm trying to remember. I was a superhero detective. You were a superhero detective. I was yes. just a normal detective. <laughs> I was like the gray ghost. That's basically Black Bullets. He's thinking of the gray ghost or Spirit. noir Batman. Yeah. Spirit. He can't, oh, yeah, the spirit. He can't die. Or, or But his enemies can. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> he can't die because he already did. Dun, dun, dun. Who, the spirit? Yeah, the shadow. Spirit. The spirit already died, and then he got brought back to life, sort of, right? And now he's, like, more or less immortal, sort of. He can still get hurt. Are you talking about Will Eisner's spirit? 
Yes. No, he's no, he's alive. Wait, I thought he was dead. No, he didn't no. die and get brought back to life. No, what happened is that he was um, he was introduced to some chemicals that made it appear as if he had died. Ah, um, good old chemicals. But he woke up later, uh, very much alive. But since everybody thought he was dead, he he assumed the identity of the spirit uh, of whatever his original name was. And um, he has the secret headquarters in the graveyard. Um, for the life of me, I can't remember his actual real name right now. But nah, no, I can't either. No, he's very much really alive uh, he's not immortal hmm. um, the, and the reason why all this happened is because the uh, Will Eisner the creator of the spirit he didn't want to do a superhero they were telling him he had to do a superhero with a secret identity but he wanted to do a detective story mm-hmm. so he concocted this origin story and basically got to do what he wanted um, his character is still a detective he, he just wears a mask and has a superhero named The Spirit. Nice. Now, I have to confess, I have not read the Will Eisner comics. I've only seen the Frank Miller film. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So does he actually die in the film? I thought he did, but maybe not. But maybe they did take a lot of license. I thought I remembered him getting shot, and then somehow they were able to repair his body. Oh, he don't get shot in the comics. But like, They repaired his body? I th- it's been so long since I watched it. And I think I actually watched it on my, my Sony PSP back, <laughs> back in the day. I, I had a Sony PSP. Like, I remember I saw Hellboy 2 for the first time on my Sony PSP. Like, I, well, wait, no, no. That's right. I was getting ready to go see it in theaters. So I watched Hellboy for the first time on my Sony PSP. And then I went to see Hellboy 2 in theaters. Um, that's how long ago that was. This was like the aughts, I think, even before... Before 2010, I think, pre-2010. Uh, I was a lonely single man whose primary friend was another. Were you lonely back then? <laughs> only, we were, when, only when I wasn't consumed with my work. We were both single back then. Yeah. Yeah. Lonely, lonely for women, I guess. But, you know. Yeah. Oh, so lonely. Lonely. So Lonely. Should do duet sometime. <laughs> I don't think the world's ears are ready for me to do a duet. <laughs> oh, you you want to pull out some harmony? Lonely. No. <laughs> oh man. I guess in some sense we have been doing a duet for a year and a half now. Ah. Have we not? The podcast. Yes, but not not a singing duet, but a true, but true. a duet. At a. Uh, was it, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of like random, probably mistranslated French terms like, eau de toi. Eau de toi. <laughs> I don't know what the, I the just new, said. The new cologne, eau de toi. I like how French Essence clones. Essence of two or something. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> eau de toilette. Yeah, I like how French clones are always like, of the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Eau de something. Eau de Chanel. No, I, I don't know. That might not even be French. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I see the commercials, you know, like the most recent one with like yeah. Timothée Chalamet. Um, I guess it's referring to toiletries. I guess, um, but in America, the toilet is the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, I know in Britain, like we say, like, hey, have you been neglecting your toilet? You know, it means your hygiene. Oh, like you're, you're not. You've been neglecting your toilet, have you? You know. I don't, you know, something like that. You sir, have been neglecting your toilet. <clears throat> Wait, uh. are you gonna go? Are you gonna go use the loo? Go use the loo. Go on, go do it. Come on, let's go. That I don't I have nowhere to put it right now, but that's hilarious. That would be hilarious. A, a British person and an American. Have you? I'm not even going to try to speak in a British accent. The Americans just like. <laughs> I clean my to- I I don't clean my toilet. Just tr- I don't know. My, you know what I'm saying? You know, mistrans, lost in translation. Your toilet has been neglected. It's funnier in my head. By the way, if you want to talk to me and turn, you can kind of do like this, where you're you're like 
kissing the mic, talking into the mic. Side kiss. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That works. That works. But if you completely turn your head, if you completely turn your head, then the mic won't pick you up as much. You'll get suddenly quiet. Yeah, we have these. They're very directional mics, uh, which they work really well. But if you if you turn your head and talk away from them, you know, which is good because it doesn't pick up as much background noise, which is what you want uh, with audio. Where did I go? Oh yeah. So here's a random fun fact related to what we were just discussing. Apparently, now, granted, I, I did learn this on the British TV show Sherlock. Ah. So take this with a grain of salt. But according to Sherlock, <laughs> the gentleman that created the toilet. His last name was Crapper, and that's why it became known as the Crapper, and that's where later the term crap came I'm from. pretty sure his first name was John. John Crapper? Yeah. <laughs> John Q. Crapper. <laughs> Maybe that's why they also call it the John, like going to the John. That's probably it. John Crapper <laughs> created the toilet. Well, if it's not true, it's true now. <laughs> you heard it here, this folks. This is canon. You heard it here, folks. You're listening to this essentially via the internet, right? I know it's probably like a podcast app, but you heard it on the internet, so to speak. So that means it's true, of course. Because everything you hear on the internet is true. It's all true. Damn it. It's all true. Even the things that contradict one another somehow. Well, you heard that on uh, Cumberbatch's Sherlock. Well, I I heard mine on uh, uh, Robin Hood. One of that... Which one? Which one was it? The comedy Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Men in Tights. Yeah. Oh, nice. I still need to see that. It's on my list of comedies I need to see. Oh no, I I, I just remember now. No, I got it the reference wrong. Um, was it Shitta? No. 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 Uh, wasn't it King John? King John. Oh, they named it after King John. They named they named the toilet after King John. As a joke in the film, that you're gonna go have to go to the John. Wait, did they even have toilets back then? This is like a thousand years ago. Well, I'm sure they had outhouses. They had holes in the ground, I guess. But it maybe was a just shack a, around it the was just a men in tights joke. So maybe maybe the creator's <laughs> name isn't John Crapper, but I'm gonna go with it now. Why not? We just made new history. I'm gonna have to look that up. That's we did. Yeah, totally, because <laughs> that's important. <laughs> All right. You know, so I once told somebody that. I once told somebody in college as a joke that Hitler went to war uh, and created the Holocaust because Jewish kids made fun of his funny Russian hat when he was a kid with those dog ear flaps. Oh. And he actually thought I was being serious and like a year later came back to me completely embarrassed because he repeated what I said and said he lied to me. No, no. Wow, somebody didn't pay attention to history class. Uh, I was joking. Granted, probably not a good idea to make jokes about the Holocaust. No, no, I was making jokes about Hitler, not the Holocaust, but I know it's related. True, true. You gotta gotta tread very carefully with those things, though. Very carefully, indeed. I thought it was kind of obvious I just made the crap up, but... Yeah, it should have been. I mean, anybody that took, like, high school social studies or world history or something... Or heck, if he, you know, if he was a freshman at, your, at our college, then he would have had to take Western Civ, and that would have covered that. So yeah, he should he should know better. I was okay. like, just tell him go watch Schindler's List. So with that in mind, uh, before we continue, here's a correction, a disclaimer: the inventor of the toilet was John Harrington. Oh, I wanted with to be three crap. other people. I wanted to be crapper. <laughs> three other people helped him invent the toilet. According to this Google search, this is just a quick Google search. Ismail El Jazari, Joseph Brahma, and Alexander Cumming. That's a very interesting group. If I'm not mistaken, there's someone of Indian descent in there and, and Arabic descent as well, it sounds like. It's like a multinational uh, effort here, <laughs> creating the toilet. And the Japanese have perfected it. Well, Alexander Cummings in 1775 had the first patent on the flushing toilet. Oh, okay. But I'm assuming that all these people had separate ideas for the toilet throughout time. Uh. And here is something interesting on HistoryExtra.com. The legend of Thomas Crapper, the man who did not invent the toilet. (laughs) Okay, okay. 
<laughs> so there is a legend. So it has yes has more than just they didn't just make it up for Sherlock. They got it from somewhere. <laughs> Let me tell you the story about a name man named John. <laughs> Let me tell you the story. About a man named John. Anyway, with that John out of the way. Crapper. Yeah, enough preamble. <laughs> yeah, with that out of the way. <coughs> and, and apologies, everybody, about my funny hat joke about Hitler, if, if that's not already assumed. No, obviously, if you've been listening to us long enough, <clears throat> you sh- should know by now, we would not approve of in any remotely pot, remote way in any way of something as horrible as the Holocaust. No, no. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, Hitler is about as damn close to a pure evil human being as you can get. Um, you know, and, and I don't believe in that in a, in a real sense, like a cosmic sense of like, oh, that person is pure evil. Like, no one is that simple. But he gets pretty damn close. Like, there's some horrible, horrible things, obviously. Uh, if That should go without saying, but just in case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We absolutely yeah. do not. Definitely of, not of trying what, to make what fun of it. Um, no, we don't approve. Definitely not trying to make fun of the Holocaust. No. Making fun of Hitler and his yes his reasoning behind why he did what he did, but not making fun of what he what he did. That's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I don't I don't I don't I'm gonna curse here. I don't give a fuck what your ideology is, what you stand for, what its merits might be. Genocide is never justified in my opinion. Ever. No. Ever. Don't don't care what the circumstance. I don't give a fuck what the circumstances are. Genocide, ethnic cleansing, the like, never okay. Never okay. Never. Never. Mm-mm. Like, nope. Whether you're Hitler or, or Palpatine or I'm kidding. I'm making a joke now. Yeah. Well, we we do have to get back to levity because that's that's what the show's about. Yeah. But yeah, just for a moment of seriousness, you know. Yeah, that's 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 never okay. Never yeah. okay. And war, I mean, war in general, horrible shit. It's not a good... I wish it never happened. No. Um, honestly, I do. Regardless of the reason, I wish that it never occurred. It does, sadly. Uh, it's going on right now. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about it. And our you know, thoughts and prayers go out to just, in particular, the, the citizens, you know, of any country, like... You know, I know the one that's been most of the news right now, the war going on between Israel and Palestine has been in the news a lot. Obviously, the war with Russia and Ukraine, those are, those are the big ones in recent. But there's other wars going on in other countries as well, other conflicts, countries that have been having civil unrest, civil war for, for decades in some cases. And the the innocents, you know, in a sense, the, the people that are not actively involved in the conflict but are often the casualties. Right. I think suffer the most and you know just yeah just empathy thoughts prayers all the like go out to those that are they're in the path of of those kinds of conflicts yeah hope for the day when when those those kinds of things won't happen anymore you know we work towards that amen and and amen all right enough enough serious stuff now to I mean not that not that some of what we're going to talk about after this isn't going to be serious, because Miyazaki often deals with serious themes in his films, and Nausicaa... Such as war. Nausicaa is mm-hmm. no exception. Um, so it's not that we're going to be completely... I was going to say levity-filled, levity... Levelous? No, there, there is no adjective. Frivolous? Happy? I have no idea. There, there are going to be some serious topics in other words, because we're talking about a Miyazaki film. And some of his are just pure fun, but this one is fun, but it is also deals with some serious things and serious themes as well. So this week, and we did not manage, I looked it up and it was a little, it was out of our price range. Sadly, we did not manage to get a hold uh. of, of the manga <clears throat> of Nausicaa. Maybe at some point we'll run across a used copy. Um, so even though this is comic book week, I mean, this is, Based on a manga, this is somewhat unique in that the manga was created in order for the film to be made, as I understand it. Right. Um, uh, Miyazaki himself wrote the manga, I believe. He did, correct? yes. Yeah, and continued writing it after the film was, I think, up to, I think, 94, up till 94. There, like, And there is a collected volume that you can get 
<clears throat> but yeah, it was a little bit more than we have in our budget currently. So <laughs> I wonder if the manga story is one for one with the anime. Probably not. I mean, since he continued it on past the film. Oh, he continued and, it and past even, the film. And even what led up to it, even just for the purposes of the film, I think he had to adapt some things and change some things. Oh. Um, so, yeah, it's not a one-to-one correlation, but uh, but obviously, it, you know, since he did it to help the film get made, you know, I mean, that's one way to do it. They're, they're like, hey, you know, most people are making anime films based off of manga. Do you have a manga? It's like... No, but I will make one because <laughs> because I am Hayao fucking Miyazaki. Wow, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. I, I finished that documentary, by the way. And uh, I don't have a. I don't. I should have written the title down. I don't have it pulled up right now. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a channel on YouTube. Darn, I should have written this down. I'll have to put it in the show notes later. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, it's a channel on YouTube that does biographies. Of various people, and um, they did one of Miyazaki, and uh, yeah, and they 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 talk about how hard of a worker he was, uh, too hard in a lot of ways. You know, he made beautiful films you know, because of that work beautiful. ethic. You know, but but you do sacrifice some things if you decide to put that much work, you know, into your dream, your passion. You are going to lose other things. You're going to have your, let yeah your family, your friends, your toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Your British toilet. I'm kidding. <laughs> and um, I don't think he didn't he didn't lose his family in the sense that like you know he he has maintained a relationship with his kids as I understand it, and according to the documentary, and his wife never never left him. She was you know she stayed with him all those years, uh, even very recently. In fact, uh, I didn't realize until until um, watching the documentary, but right towards the end, they talk about an upcoming release that he was just starting to work on at the time, which now we know is the, the boy and the heron. Yes. Uh, which is getting ready to come out next month, which we are going to cover. Yes. Uh, in December. And I didn't realize it was directed by Miyazaki, but he came back out of retirement, uh, to produce a, another full length film. And he's like almost 90 now. Oh, is still he? making movies? Uh, I he, wasn't sure how old he was, but I, I did hear about this and I understand from news articles that they're proclaiming this is most likely going to be his last film. Uh, one would hope. Like, the dude needs to retire. Find, like, actually retire. He's retired twice. You know, like Tom Brady or, or Brett Favre. I guess Brady just did it once, technically. Favre did it twice. Uh, the, sorry, NFL reference for football fans uh-huh. out there. Um, but Miyazaki retired twice. Now, he did cut his workload back a bit each time. But he didn't, he couldn't, just couldn't bring himself to fully retire. He had to keep producing so he kept making short films and then eventually came back and decided has decided to make another feature film and i think i think they spent five years on it so it's, they took their time with this um as a creator i understand mm-hmm. you know that's who he is he's he's driven to create yeah and um the documentary did say his wife was hoping that he would finally fully retire but she's still supportive of him even though he's decided not to um so she's very loyal uh, in that sense, like, um, but yeah, but, but we are going to go, we plan to go see that and apparently it's going to be an IMAX. So if, if we can swing that, we should, we should catch an IMAX and that'd be pretty epic. Um, we'll have to, we'll have to figure that out, but we're going to go see it and we'll review it in December. It comes out December 8th in a theater near you. So be on the lookout for that. The boy in the heron. Anyway, on to today's topic. Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind. Will, would you like to do the honors? Yes. If you want to follow along, just go to the old Wikipedia entry. Uh, one day we will write our own intros and summaries, but the day has not yet come. So thank you, Wikipedia, and all the many anonymous contributors. Thank you. Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind, which in Japanese is Hepburn Kazi no Tani no Naushika. Wasn't Hepburn... What is this Hepburn thing they keep talking about? Because that was at the beginning of... Um, I honestly don't know. I, I don't know if that's like a symbol or... Yeah, I don't know. I don't it says know. it's a romanization. Hibanshiki Romaji. Hepburn-style Roman letters. 
It is the main system of romanization for the Japanese language. The system was originally published in 1867 uh, by American Christian missionary and phys physician James Curtis Hepburn. Anyway, okay, okay. I don't understand so, all that. So when it says Hepburn, it's telling you this is the Hepburn transliteration of the Japanese. I bet that's what it's, oh. trying, that's what it's trying to say. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I wondered about that, too. It's like, what is that? Like, Catherine Hepburn? Like, what? Yeah. What's going on here? <laughs> like, like, I didn't but, know but no, Catherine probably th in this. That makes total sense now. So that's the Hepburn transliteration or whatever. Yeah. Our romanization. The romanization of the Japanese characters. So that's cool. That's cool. So so the next time that pops up, I'm not even going to read Hepburn. Yeah. So the title in Japanese is Kaze no Tani no Naoshika. Naoshika. We apologize once again for our murdering of the Japanese language, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Murder with a knife. It's a 1984 Japanese... No, a katana. Ha, ha, ha. I, I recently sold my katana, Richard, oh, a few months it. ago. The one that we used in Redneck versus Otaku. Sadness. Yeah, I know. One day you'll get another. Ooh, birthday gift idea. Oh, well, those aren't cheap, man. Yeah, it's going to be a few years. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you can be, if you can okay. be patient. <laughs> I can be more than patient. I got rid of it to become a foster parent that, just mm -hmm. to be turned down by the agency. Oh, man. But anyway, uh, Nausicaa Valley of the Wind is a 1984 <laughs> Japanese post-apocalyptic anime fantasy film written and directed by Hao Mazio... Me, uh, blah, 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 blah. How Miyazaki. Thank you. Miyazaki. Based on his 1982 manga. It was animated by Topcraft for Takuma Shoten and Hakuhodo and distributed by Toei Company. Joe, Joe, Joe Hisaishi, in his first collaboration with Miyazaki, composed the score. The film stars the voices of Sumi Shimi Shi. Shi I'm sorry. <laughs> Sumi Shimamoto. I don't, I don't think I do much better. It's okay. Goro Naya, Yoji Masuda, Yoshiko Sakakibara, and Iemasa Kayumi. Set in a post-nuclear futuristic world, it tells the story of Nausicaa, played by Shimamoto, the teenage princess of the Valley of the Wind, who becomes embroiled in a struggle with Tomikia, a kingdom that tries to use an ancient weapon to eradicate a jungle full of giant mutant insects. Now, I think some of that was implied in the film, but not spelled out. Um, I guess we'll save save that for discussion later. Yeah. Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind was released in Japan on 11th March 1984, a heavily edited Adaptation of the film created by Manson International, Warriors of the Wind, was released in the United States and other markets throughout the mid to late 80s. The Manson cut was der derided by Miyazaki and eventually replaced in circulation by an uncut, redubbed version produced by Walt Disney Pictures in 2005. Yes. No, and I actually, the Wikipedia, I think, if you scroll further down, it, it shows you the, the casts for both, and uh, ah. I recognized one of the names... For the, the Manson version was a uh, Hal Smith, who's a voice actor, done a lot of a Disney work over the years in the '80s and '90s. Uh, I think prior to that too, was especially '80s, you know, seven. Well, not much in the '90s because he passed away in '94, but oh. '70s, '80s. But anyway, but he was involved in I think the the Manson got. But then, but we watched the 2005 uh, Disney version with newer newer actors, right? Yeah, and, and I just hate it when uh, I, I've seen them <clears throat> animes that were cut up and tried to tell an entirely new story with the mm. animation scenes of the anime. I hate it when they do that. Yeah, um, they well, don't yeah. make sense, um, and whatnot. I don't know why some companies have done that. Hubris, I guess. I guess. Like, let's repackage this for an American audience. Yeah. And let's chop it up. Yeah, apparently apparently uh, Miramax and Harvey Weinstein tried to do something similar with Princess Mononoke. Really? Not Oh my gosh. Like they they cut out like thirty minutes of of material from it when they, they were, or they tried to, and Miyazaki fought and fought that and I think eventually won won that fight, but they were they wanted to cut 
something like 30 minutes out of the movie, make it 90 minutes, you know, which is more typical for, for cartoons in the U.S., but right. it's over two hours long. Uh, but Miyazaki said, no, <laughs> he will not oh, do that. <laughs> good. No. I mean, he I'm fought, and, and I think, I think according to the documentary, he won that good. fight. So, yeah, you're going down, Harvey Weinstein. Mm. I mean, Princess Mononoke might be, if it's not my favorite, it's one of one of my favorite Ghibli Studio Miyazaki films. So I'm definitely glad that we got the uh, the film how it was intended, more or less. Yeah, I mean, obviously the original, you know, is in Japanese, but but yeah, with the the dub version, yeah, like not not changing it, just with it. With the exception of, I mean, there's certain things that don't always translate perfectly when you're translating from right. one language to another. But, but yeah, the the film as it was intended to be just translated linguistically translated, not chopped up and re-edited. Right. I can think of one thing they changed, but uh, we've already done our podcast episode on that. So, anyway, so Mance International made Warriors of the Wind. It was released in the United States and other markets throughout the mid to late 80s. And like we said, the Manson Cut was derided by Miyazaki. It was replaced by the 2005 uh, version, an uncut and redubbed version by Walt Disney Pictures. Though it was made before Studio Ghibli was founded, Nausicaa Valley of the Wind is often considered a Ghibli work and was released as part of the Studio Ghibli Collection DVD and Blu range, uh, excuse me, Blu ray range. The film received critical acclaim, with praise being directed at the story, themes, characters, and animation. It is the highest-ranked Japanese anime in a survey published by the Japan's Agency for Cultural Affairs in 2007. Nice. Do you want to read the plot? Yes, on to the plot. If I can find it. Wait, where'd it go? Ah, there it is. <clears throat> the plot. <clears throat> okay. So, spoiler warnings, by the way, if you haven't seen this yet. Go watch it, then come back. 1,000 years have passed since the seven days of fire, an apocalyptic war that destroyed civilization and caused an ecocide, creating the vast toxic jungle, a poisonous forest swarming with giant mutant insects. In the kingdom of the Valley of the Wind, a prophecy predicts a savior, quote, clothed in a blue robe, descending onto a golden field. Nausicaa, the 16-year-old princess, she's only 16? Dang, I thought she was like 19 or 20. Okay, 16. The 16-year-old princess of the Valley of the Wind explores the jungle and communicates with its creatures, including the gigantic, trilobite-like armored Om. She hopes to understand the jungle and find a way for it and humans to coexist. One day, at dawn, a massive cargo aircraft from the kingdom of Tomikia crashes in the valley despite Nausicaa's attempt to save it. Its sole survivor, Princess Lestelle of Pejit, pleads with Nausicaa to destroy the cargo and dies. The cargo is an embryo of a giant warrior, one of the lethal gargantuan humanoid bioweapons that caused the seven days of fire. Tomikia, a military state, seized the embryo and Lestel from Pejit, but their plane was attacked by insects and crashed. One of the insects emerges, wounded from the wreckage, and poses, poises to attack, but Nausicaa uses a bull roarer to calm it and guides it away from the village. Soon after, Tomikian troops, led by Princess Kushana, invade the valley, execute Nausicaa's father, and capture the embryo. Enraged, Nausicaa assaults and kills several Tomikian soldiers and is about to be overwhelmed when the valley's swordmaster, Lord Yupa, sues the belligerents. Kushana plans to mature the giant warrior and use it to burn the toxic jungle, Yupa discovers a secret garden of jungle plants that had been cared for by Nausicaa. According to her findings, plants that grow in clean soil and water are not toxic, but the jungle's soil has been tainted by pollution. Kushana leaves for the Tomikian capital with Nausicaa and five hostages from the valley, but a Pajit interceptor shoots down the Tomikian airships carrying them. Nausicaa, Kushana, and the hostages crash land in the jungle, disturbing several ohms, which Nausicaa soothes. She leaves to rescue the Pajit pilot Asbel, twin brother of Princess Lestelle, but both crash through a stratum of quicksand into a non-toxic area below the toxic jungle. Nausicaa realizes that the jungle plants purify the polluted topsoil, producing clean water and soil underground. 
Nausicaa and Asbel return to Pajit, but find it ravaged by insects. A band of survivors explains that they lured the insects to eradicate the Tolmikians, and are doing the same to the valley. They capture Nausicaa to prevent her from warning the valley, but with the help of Asbel, his mother, and a number of sympathizers, Nausicaa escapes on her glider. However, a plane of Tolmikian soldiers take the ship with orders to kill the survivors, but Lord Yupa intervenes and prevents the Tolmikians from slaughtering them. Flying home, she finds two Pajit soldiers, soldiers baiting thousands of ohms into the valley using a wounded baby ohm. The people of the valley take shelter while the Tomikians deploy tanks and the giant warrior, but tank fire does not deter the ohms, and the giant warrior hatch, hatched prematurely disintegrates. <clears throat> Nausicaa liberates the baby ohm and gains its trust. She and the ohm stand before the herd, but are run over. The ohms calm down and use their golden tentacles to resuscitate her. Nausicaa, her dress drenched blue with ohm blood. Oh. oh. That's why it got blue. Oh. Okay. Yeah, her, her, her dress changed color, and we couldn't figure out why, if it was an artist's mistake, but this makes sense. Yeah. Drenched blue with ohm blood, walks atop golden ohm tentacles as, though, as through golden fields, fulfilling the savior prophecy. The ohms and Tomikians leave the valley, and the Pajits remain with the valley people, helping them rebuild. Deep underneath the toxic jungle, a non-toxic tree sprouts. Technically, mm -hmm. since she was wearing a red dress uh, or shirt, shouldn't uh, the blue have turned her purple? <laughs> Good point. Good point. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh. Oh, darn. Lost place. Uh, do you want to... So it's on the far right. Um, so you got the character and then the name of the... Do you want to read the voice cast real quick for the 2005 Disney version? Sure. And then, and then we'll... Take a break, and we'll come back and, and talk about, give our review of the film. Wow, the Manson version changed Nausicaa's name to Zandra. <laughs> well, then. So, anyway, in the uh, official dub, Nausicaa is played by Allison Lohman, Lord Yupa by Patrick Stewart. That's right. Patrick Stewart. As Bell is played by Shia LaBeouf. Is it LaBeouf or LaBeouf? Shia, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. I'm sorry. I've, I've butchered his name for decades. <laughs> LaBeouf. LaBeouf. <laughs> wow. Kushana is played by Uma Thurman. Kurotawa. Kurotawa. She likes to dance like Uma Thurman. And I, sorry. Got some Fallout Boy. <laughs> Fallout Boy? Fallout Boy. Keep, read just, keep, keep reading. I'm off. just wondering if that's related to uh, Fallout, the video game series. <laughs> no, no, not, not as far as I know. Okay, Kurotoa is played by Chris Sarandon. Mito is played by Edward James Olmos. Ob Obaba is played by Tress McNeil. Goal is played by Frank Welker. Wow. Yeah, man. Wow. Welker. Voice actor extraordinaire. Yeah, I definitely recognize his name. He also does vo vocal sound effects. Dude's like a, a master of vocal sound oh, effects. Oh, yeah. Scooby-Doo, The Real Ghostbusters, all sorts of... I think he was in Winnie the Pooh. I can't remember if it was Winnie the Pooh or not. Maybe I'm thinking about I'm, someone else. I'm sure he's been on The Simpsons as well. Oh, uh, yeah. He's probably done everything. Anyway, continue, sir. Gikuri is Jeff Bennett. Muzu is James Arnold Taylor. Niga is Mark Silverman. Lestel is Emily Bauer. Mayor of Pajait is Mark Hamill. I was wondering, yeah. wondering who yeah. you played. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that when I was watching it. I, I didn't recognize his voice, but but then he is also an accomplished voice actor, and most of them could do. Asbel variation. Asbel and Lestel's mother is by Jody Benson. Yeah, who also did Ariel in The Little Mermaid. Oh, oh. The only reason I recognized her name was like, oh, it's it's Ariel. That's the only thing I know her from, honestly. Anyway. Tito is played... Oh, oh. Tito is the um, the little fox squirrel creature. Ah, yes. Uh, played by Rihoko Yoshida. So... I guess he's doing like... Like yes. vocal effects. Yeah, as far as I can tell, in all versions, the Japanese voice actress still plays that character. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, because why would you need to redub that? 
you know, it's not like he's speaking Japanese. This is a Japanese somehow. But anyway, okay. So, talk summary, plot, voice cast. So that is our introduction to the film. So we're going to take a break, and then we're going to give our review. So, after these messages. Dun, dun, dun. We'll be right back. Nerds, we would like to hear from you. Yes, you. <laughs> you can send us a voice message if you go to our Spotify for Podcasters profile. You can get there by going to irreverentnerds.com. There is a message button. You can click on that. You can leave us a voice message. If you do that, we will include it in next week's episode. You can also follow us on social media. Our Instagram handle is at irreverent underscore nerds. We are on Facebook simply as the Irreverent Nerds, YouTube, The Irreverent Nerds, once again. And that's it. <laughs> Those are our only places where you can find us at the present, beyond, of course, your podcast app. So if you find us in one of those spots, please feel free to let us know what you think of our episodes, whether you like them, dislike them, you're ambivalent, whatever you want to say, give us your two cents. Thank you, nerds. Now back to this week's episode. And we're back. We are back. Thanks for sticking with us. Now into our review of Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind. So, Will, um, well, you've seen this before, so anything new come up for you on this on this watch? Well, uh, not during the watch itself, but definitely understanding why her dress turns red from red to blue. But uh... Yeah, yeah, we both noticed that. It just, there was no... I didn't catch, like, I know she, I just didn't catch it. Like, I, I know she was helping the infant, and it, its blood was blue. But, yeah, I just didn't correlate. The two didn't correlate for me. They didn't make it obvious. Yeah. I just thought it was supposed to be, like, magic. You know, magic. Her, her dress is blue. I, I honestly thought this whole time that the color of her dress changed simply based on the, the mood and setting. Uh, uh, I, I always thought it was just an artistic choice. Magic dress. Magic dress. <coughs> but no, there's a much more practical... I mean, it's still somewhat magic because it's a f fulfillment of a prophecy, but but a practical reason for the color change. But as yeah. you said, though, it probably should have turned purple. <laughs> I guess the blue was powerful with that one. The blue. <coughs> it both Apologies bleached her clothes blood. and turned it blue. But yes, but that definitely was... Like, her being the fulfillment of the prophecy was absolutely, um, what do you call it, um, telegraphed. Like, yeah. like, I knew as soon as they were reading the prophecy, I was like, oh, that's going to be her, of course. Well, she was wearing um, blue in the beginning. That's true. Yeah, so they made it very obvious. Maybe they weren't trying to hide it, though. I don't know. But, yeah, that if that was supposed to be a surprise, it, it didn't work. And, then, and, and I've never seen this before, never read the plot before, so uh, had it been executed... Maybe it wasn't intended to be a surprise, but if it was, it wasn't executed very well because that was, I picked up on that right away. I was like, oh, yep, that's her. Okay. Uh, so that was no surprise at all. Um, I don't know if they were trying to, to trick you because it's like a male. Yeah. The prophecy is about a man. Typical, I think so. As Schmidt would say. Uh, sorry, new girl reference. Typical. No. <laughs> um, but then it turns out to be a woman. Girl power. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that was a very, very weak woo. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> um, no, she's very... Nasuka's a very strong female character and reminded me a oh, lot yeah. of... Um, and she's more... She's more of the protagonist. Like, Mononoke is obviously a very important character in the film Princess Mononoke. But you, you could almost argue that she is a supporting character... Because Ashitaka is almost more of the protagonist, like the way the narrative is structured. And then she comes along later, even though they name... I know there's like two different names for Princess Mononoke. Uh, but definitely in this one, like from the very start, Nausicaa is the the, uh, the protagonist. Yes. Whereas that's not, it's not quite, it's not quite that way in Princess Mononoke. It's a little different. Um, but yeah, she's absolutely, not, no question, Nausicaa's the protagonist. I mean, it's named after her for one thing, you know, like, 
Um, right. But then so is Mononoke, and Mononoke, I guess she eventually, she becomes equally as important as Ashitaka, but isn't necessarily like the central no. protagonist. Like there's there's a duality there. Even Again, even though the film is named after her, whereas, again, Nausicaa, absolutely, yeah. all the way through, she's the main character. Well, all of the Legend of Zelda video games are named after the princess that you usually have to save, but the main character is Link. So. That's, that's true. That's true. I don't know why they call it. Why, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, view, I view the naming of Princess Mononoke in that light anyway. No, I think that makes sense. And there was an alternate title, because I, I think in Japan it had a different name. Um, but then when they brought it to the U.S., I think they... I think... I don't know. I need to go back and listen to our own episode. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember we talked about that. I have a vague memory of that, of us talking about that. But anyway, back to back to Nausicaa. Um, so this was my first experience seeing it. What when was yours? Like, I mean, it came out in two thousand five, so I know you weren't a kid. But like, or I should say, the dubbed version came out. Had you seen the Japanese version prior to that? No, no. no. Okay. Uh, I had also not seen the uh, messed up cut either. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. You weren't. Well, you weren't. Uh, I'm curious ruined. now, though. Yeah, no, I am curious about it. It's, it, I, it wouldn't surprise me if someone has put it up on YouTube. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although Ghibli might sue sue them uh, if they have tried to do that, so maybe not. Might not be on YouTube. But um, but yeah, I am a little curious to it, and I like Hal Smith as a voice actor. So he played several parts in that. So I'm a little curious just to hear. But it, oh, what is he known for in Disney? Uh, let's see. Well, um, probably the reference you would be most familiar with is he's in DuckTales. Uh, oh. he, he plays uh, Glomgold. Oh, okay. Um, cool, he, cool, he cool, also, cool. He also does, um, oh, darn, the uh, the inventor. What's the inventor's name? Darn it. Uh, no, I know, no, I know. I, rem- I remember. Uh, ah. Oh, Gad? Gad, Gad, no, Gad, Gad, no, Gad. No, It starts with a G. I thought. I can't think of his name. I can't think of his name right now. With the orange hair. Yeah, the the main, you know, Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck's, like, resident inventor, you know, his... Gadgets. Gazooks. No. No. Darn. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember either, but I know who you're talking about. But anyway, but yeah, Hal Smith plays both of those characters, so... Um, and um, probably several, probably a number of others as well, Um and I also know him from a radio drama that he was a part of for seven years called Adventures in Odyssey. Um, oh. This is a somewhat more obscure reference. I mean, unless you were raised conservative Christian in the late 80s and 90s, or even the, the aughts, you probably have no idea what that show is. But it's very popular within that realm of, like, evangelical Christian community. Um, it's a very family-friendly show for kids, that kind of thing. But he was... They had an elderly character in there called Mr. Whitaker, and he played the original Mr. Oh. Whitaker until he, until he passed away in '94. Oh, okay. Um, so that that was my first exposure for him. Um, but he also did was in Beauty and the Beast, the Disney film. He plays the horse. <laughs> he plays <laughs> the Philippe. horse. Philippe. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Just randomly, he does the horse voice vocal effects. Um, well, I was I'm, like, oh wow, that seems somewhat wasted. Why didn't they give him another part? Like the, <laughs> just let him do the horse. Yeah. Like he just came in and was like, hmm, all right. $2,000, there you go, or whatever. <laughs> uh. But Glomgold would be my introduction to him then. Yeah, yeah, Flintard Glomgold, yeah. And then, of course, the, darn, I cannot think of the inventor's name. I just, yeah, it is G, it does start with G, I'm pretty sure you're right about that, but I can't think of it. Anyway, those, those of you who are DuckTales fans, uh, you know who we're talking about. yeah. Uh, and we're talking about the original Ducktales, the real Ducktales from the from the eighties. I think did it did it make it to the nineties? It was like what four or five seasons. What Ducktales? Ducktales. I'm pretty sure it made it. Well, I think it made it. Anyway, I don't know. We're off topic. Uh, so, but that that was the Manson version. Yeah, <laughs> the Nine Inch Nails version. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, not the Charles Manson version. Um, That'd be interesting. <laughs> Everyone dies. <laughs> um, no. Well, I like the part where Nausicaa bit the bat's head off. I think I missed that. She bit a bat's head off? 
I'm joking about the Manson version. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> I was like, I didn't think I saw that. I feel like she would. There, do there that. I go again with a joke, and people think uh, I'm I serious. Took, took, it too, took it too seriously. <laughs> he walks the line. Um, all right. So, so do you remember when you first saw it? Do you remember your initial impressions of the film? You're like, this is amazing. This is my favorite animated film ever. Or well, like, I really like it. Um, I really like the giant ohm bugs. Did you see it in theaters? No, I didn't. Did they release it? I don't, I, I don't remember when I saw it first. Okay. I'm pretty sure it, I probably rented it. Yeah, I don't know if they, I don't know if they re-released it in 2005 when they did the English dub, like of Disney. Like, I'm not sure how that worked, but you know what? I take it back. I take. I could be wrong, but I take it back. The first time I saw it might have been just two years ago on HBO Max. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Um. It's it's. I knew it existed, but Same now here. that I think about it, I don't think I actually watched it until then. Same here. Yeah, like I had seen the 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 cover, you know, on like like DVD, like rental stores, or at the the library in the video section. Yeah, so well, I'd I known, known of it for years. I definitely saw Princess Mononoke because I was really into Japanese stuff back back of that age, but. Yeah, you know, fuel Japanese settings, but Nausicaa. I'm gonna say I definitely, probably didn't see that. <laughs> definitely, probably, definitely, probably did Until not. HBO Max. Never, always see that. No. Um, but anyway, but obviously your your first experience was positive, and oh uh, yeah, and then this one as well. So, so second watch or however many uh, it's at least your second watch at how, least how many nerd hats out of five would you would you give this i'm thinking of 4.5 i feel similarly yes that's that's what i was thinking we're on the same wavelength here yes this this film is excellent it's excellent it's right up there with princess monarchy do we give that a 4.5 i'm trying to remember i know I we were remember. close to that i think we were definitely close yeah but yeah, I feel similarly. I really liked this. It's very well crafted, well written, engaging. Um, oh yeah, the music was yeah. great too. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and I think Hashashi, Hashashi. I can't remember. Uh, I believe he did the music for all Studio Ghibli films, as I understand it. So same same guy. So there's a lot of continuity there. Uh, I don't know if he's still doing it or if he's still alive, but if so, I imagine he might be doing the music for The Boy and the Heron as well, uh, perhaps. Perhaps, but uh, but yes, beautiful music. Obviously, the animation is gorgeous. Um, the story, like um, elements, is now. I'm curious as to whether Miyazaki was influenced by Dune, because um, there were some elements that definitely reminded me of Dune. Like even the Ohm, just there, they remind me a little bit. Although they, um. They have they end up having much more character than the sandworms in Dune, um, but yeah, just like in the happening in the desert, you know, or at least parts of it were in the desert. I don't know. Just there's elements of it that reminded me of of Dune, so I do wonder if that was some influence for him. Um, it does seem obvious that this film influenced Mononoke later. That there's right. some, some similar elements, um, you know, that carry through, I guess, to Mononoke. This one again has a very ecological message, as well. So yeah. Hey guys, so we lost a little bit for some reason. The recording cut out on us, so we lost a little bit of uh, what we said, and then we got distracted by a phone call. Uh, so, so yeah, there might be a little bit of discontinuity there. Um. Um, but um, sorry. But yeah, we're gonna finish up here. We got about fifteen minutes left in our in our episode. Um, so let's see. Um, so we're talking about some of the themes. We we talked some about the ecological message, right? And um, how the character uh, is against violence, like Ashitaka from Princess Mononoke, and yeah, it's like it's it's a last resort, more for self protection kind of thing. Um, in her case, like she very much attempts uh, diplomacy, if you will, and attempts to rescue and, and warn, and as opposed to just having the instinct to attack. Um, 
And one of the things I wanted to talk about was uh, the film didn't actually state this, but it seems implied that. Um, sorry about that. Some city ambiance. Yeah, there's a scooter over. It, it seems implied in the film that nuclear fallout is what caused the toxic jungle and the giant insects. Um, I think it's meant to be an analogy for a nuclear war because uh, it's like you know the giant beings, yeah, the one that they try to resurrect there at the end. Like I think they're meant to be like an analogy of a nuclear bomb. Right. Oh, okay. I get it now. I get Essentially, it. Essentially, I think it's meant to be analogous to that. So he was trying to make a, a comment without saying, oh, a nuclear bomb. You know, he's trying to make a comment on... Because I know he's definitely against, like, even nuclear power, let, yeah. lo- let alone nuclear nuclear weapons. Uh, Miyazaki is. Yeah. You know, nuclear power plants are very dangerous. Um, well... There was an earthquake in Japan, maybe a tsunami, I forget, mm-hmm. and an entire area of Japan is now uninhabitable or was uninhabitable because the power plant had a meltdown. Yeah, that it's, was so well, it's many kind years of, ago. It's kind of like there's only been two, like that one due to an earthquake, and then Chernobyl, which was due to shoddy. Right. Shoddy workmanship and construction and just neglected safety practices, as far as I know. Um, there's only been two since the advent uh, of nuclear power. Like, statistically, big picture is actually very safe. Oh, okay. Well, um, that's good. And they've, they've made it more and more safe over the years. But, unfortunately, when there is, it's sort of like plane crashes, you know what I mean, compared to auto crashes. Like, auto crashes kill a heck of a lot more people than plane crashes do, but when one does crash... It's more catastrophic, so I feel it's kind of like that. Where if yeah. if something does go wrong, it's catastrophic, but statistically, it causes less damage, and and certainly it's cleaner form of energy. Oh, really? Absolutely. Oh, I didn't than, realize that. Than like coal power or oil power, you know, nat- even natural gas, like things like that, as I understand it. But again, sadly, if if something does happen, you know, it's more catastrophic. But there's only that. To my knowledge, there's only been two actual, like, meltdowns, and one of them being caused by natural disaster, um, which obviously, I don't know if this was the case in Japan, but you, you definitely wouldn't want to build a nuclear power plant on a fault line. So No. I don't know if that's what they did, uh, or if maybe they didn't have an option, but but regardless, like, the earthquake led to that, uh, whereas Chernobyl was more of a man-made accident. Um, Chernobyl being the worst. Right. And... and yeah, really the only one where we were genuinely at fault as humans for this mess. And as I understand it, that area in Russia, is, or I think it's in the Ukraine actually now, in the modern Ukraine, I think. Don't Belarusia? You might be right. Anyway, it's, it's in that general area of the world. Um, but that, I think it's still uninhabitable for humans. Um, plants are starting to regrow, as yeah. I understand it, and some animals have made it back in there. Yeah, there's some mutated dogs living there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, humans still have to stay out of that area. Yeah. Too much radiation exposure. So, yeah, it's one of those, it is kind of, I guess the best analogy I can give is like that airplane crash versus a car crash. Like, you know, more people are going to die in one crash, but because they crash much less often, fewer people as a whole, you know, statistically fewer people die in the plane crashes than car crashes. But anyway, anyway. So the giant humanoid creatures in Nausicaa, they're they're an, a metaphor for nuclear bombs. I think so. Yeah, or or definitely like industrialized warfare uh, for sure, but but yeah, with it being so big, like that was that was my that was my takeaway. I was like this is sort of an, an analogy for nuclear warfare uh, or nuclear bomb. That's definitely deeper than I wasn't thinking that deep. Yeah. Well, I mean, it totally makes sense with, um, you know, Miyazaki, you know, oh, with yeah. them being Japanese as well and then having been the only country who's had a bomb dropped on them. Uh, like a, you know, not a, I don't, technically those weren't, I don't think they were nuclear, they were the hydrogen bombs, I think. Oh, okay. I guess, I don't know if that's in the same category, but anyway, very destructive weapon. <laughs> you know, a hydrogen bomb dropped on, um, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. So, um, yes. And I'm sure the 
the fallout psychologically from that is still present, especially in the older generation in Japan, I would think. So, uh, do you think, I'm not sure what to talk about next. I'm just jumping around. Do you think that the Ohm resurrected, uh, Nausicaa, it really did seem like she died at the end there. Do you think that they just, uh, because it seemed like they were healing her wounds somehow. Yeah, they, well, they definitely healed her. I mean, I definitely, I don't, I don't know that she was dead. Like, because people that were saying that were looking at her from a distance. Uh, so that was right. there wasn't anybody there checking her pulse. You know what I mean? Um, so we don't really know that she was dead, but they definitely healed her. I think. How could they um, even see her? Were they on a hill or something? I, I think, can't. Yeah, remember. I think they were up in the in the was it the castle or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so they were up high enough that they because they were trying to avoid getting trampled, so they were getting as high as they could, and they could see her down there. Um, but yeah, that was a cool scene though when they all the. The tentacles yeah. come out and and then raise her up and then then they heal her and then she becomes like the the like quite visual representation of the prophecy fulfillment and um and then the um was it Baba no yeah o Obama uh, Obama not Obama. Obama not Obama Obama the uh, <laughs> the el- elderly wise woman who's who's blind <laughs> but. Yeah, but still, it goes wide-eyed with you know people's dilated and everything from time to time. Like, oh, I can see no. Um, but anyway, but no, she she could sense, she could see somehow, you know. Or no, that's right. They described to her what was happening, and she's like, oh, she's the fulfillment of the prophecy. I was like, you just now catching up with that? <laughs> I knew that way back. No, <laughs> Obama, You're supposed to be wise. Blue is a very common color. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> well, anyway, like um, we don't have as much time for the review uh, as we might normally, but I I really really like this film. Gorgeous, beautiful, inspiring, challenging. You know, with its eco- ecological message and uh, also its anti-violence, you know, anti-warfare message. And um, so it makes you think, uh, inspires you, and even just its beauty is inspiring. And uh, yeah, and then we both agree, like 4.5 nerd hats out of 5. Excellent film. Uh, Definitely, of the Miyazaki films I have seen, I'd say this is my top three, absolutely. Um, Definitely. And speaking of that, my top three would be this film, Princess Mononoke, and Castle in the Sky, which we will be covering this month. Yeah, and I haven't seen that yet, so I can't compare, but my top three at this point would be those two, Mononoke, Nausicaa, and then um, Spirited Away. I thought so. You know what? I mean, Spirited Away is a more recent film. Mm-hmm. It might be better than Castle in the Sky. We'll, we'll find out when we review that one. Yeah, yeah, we'll see them back to back, so yeah. we can we can compare and, and then see the development because they were made about fifteen years apart, I think. Yeah, uh, roughly. So, so yeah, like obviously some development in art style and, and a little bit of CGI peppered in there too, at that point. Um, yeah, that Castle was, in the Sky is just one of those classics that everybody talks about. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. I, I have not seen it yet. So, but, but with that, we're uh, we're gonna wrap up. Uh, it is time. So, thank you, nerds, for joining us once again. And until uh, next week, we're going to be covering Castle in the Sky and then finishing off Miyazaki Month with Spirited Away. But then we'll have yet another Miyazaki film in December, The Boy and the Heron. Uh, that should come either probably the third weekend. So, that actually, we'll probably finish out season four with that review. Um, that'll be nice. So, we'll kick off December with The Simpsons. And then we'll cover a, a comic book topic um, yet to be determined. And then we'll finish season four with the new Miyazaki film, The Boy and the Heron. So, until next time, nerds. Sayonara. Live long and prosper. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Reverend Nerds Podcast. If you would, consider following us on Instagram. We are there at irreverent underscore nerds. You can also hit us up on Facebook. Just look us up there at the Irreverent Nerds. That's our fan page. 
We have a YouTube channel as well. Once again, The Irreverent Nerds. Nice and simple, right? And if you go to www.irreverentnerds.com, that will send you to our podcasters for Spotify, formerly Anchor.fm profile, where you can send us a voice message if you want to, support us financially, or listen to the podcast. It will also direct you to other places you can listen, like Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, you name it. So, like, comment, subscribe, follow, all those good things, wherever you find us, wherever you listen to us, we would greatly appreciate it. Until next time, nerds, live long and prosper. Avengers Assemble! I'm Batman.